Hey y'all, welcome back to a Tuesday, May 24th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, we got a two-part show for you guys today here on the podcast. Uh, first up, Greg Brown, who is the radio play-by-play for the Pittsburgh Pirates. It was an absolute delight to be able to talk to Greg about his job, just kind of a dream job for so many kids growing up where they just practice uh, being radio announcers. I was one of those people when I was uh, in my cul-de-sac playing uh, baseball uh, in the neighborhood, just growing up, I grew up in a cul-de-sac and uh, would call out at bats. And I remember pretending to be so many different players and memorizing lineups and going through it and uh, just, it was, it was such a fun thing. And it's just, uh, I'm doing the podcast now, but there are just so many kids out there that just, it's like the dream job. So I've always been curious to see how folks who end up in that actual career and follow the Vince Scullies of the world, uh, do what they do. And Greg was, uh, super gracious with this time. And it was so much fun to talk to him about his role, uh, with the pirates, uh, his, slogan raise the jolly roger uh how he got into this profession uh what his game day routines like who he likes talking to who um i don't know who's made a big impact over the years how the chemistry works in the booth uh with a color play-by-play person uh ben charrington's vision for the pirates uh brian reynolds future in pittsburgh differences between Derek shelton and clint hurdle all that and more uh, with uh, with Greg. So I greatly appreciate him making the time uh, to come on the podcast. That it was it was a lot of fun, and I think you guys will enjoy our conversation. Uh, don't forget, folks, you can also watch this very show uh, if you would prefer to watch the podcast. Yeah, you can go ahead and check that out over on YouTube, YouTube.com, type in the Chase Most Podcast, and you'll find it there and all kinds of other videos and clips and stuff from our channel. Uh, you can read me at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com and type in your email and never miss any of my written content that way. Tweet at me at Chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. You can also email this very program at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's enough for me here, uh, but uh, let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Greg. Uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am just delighted to have Mr. Greg Brown on this very podcast because it's just cool. I like radio play-by-play. Radio play-by-play, I think, outside of any other major sport, is the most soothing by far, Greg. Is it not? Is is it the most soothing medium? I mean, you know, Grace, growing up of... of- baseball fan and really a fan of broadcasting you know i, I spent days you know I'm, I'm old enough to have uh, not been around uh, when the internet uh came into being so mm. i'm kind of a prehistoric guy in that i uh listened to a transistor radio you know uh at night high school days grade school listening to the play-by-play on the radio so there is a romanticism about it uh there's a you, know, you can use your imagination. Uh, I do both radio and TV, and uh, both present challenges. But to your point about uh, you know, the soothing 
aspect of broadcasting, there's definitely something to that. You know, growing up, I would uh, kind of latch on to a, a team or two, and I would spend many summer nights listening to their voices. And uh, there was some comfort almost being able to hear this familiar voice every day throughout a long summer. Uh, so, yeah, soothing, comforting, and uh, very much enjoyable. So is this what you always wanted to do? Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much I learned uh, out of uh, out of high school. I wasn't good enough to actually be a, a – I thought someday I'd love to be a Major League Baseball player, play professionally, found out quickly uh, that I that was not uh, a good enough athlete to actually play other than, you know, high school ball. And um, uh, just as, as the years went on after high school uh, – after going to college, internships, and, and learning about broadcasting and getting to actually know the broadcasters, spending 10 years in the Pirates front office, uh, that dream kind of built as the years went on. And when I when it became feasible to actually just be a broadcaster of any kind, let alone a major league broadcaster, uh, I jumped at the opportunity. Did you did you know that the Rays of the Jolly Roger was going to be a thing for you? Did you know immediately that that was something that you were going to put together, and this was like this is going to be this is going to be my thing? No, I uh, when I started out broadcasting, I didn't have a, a call. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot of announcers do, kind of their signature call. And when I started out, I was kind of like the number two announcer behind uh, Lanny for Terry, who I think was here like twenty eight, uh, maybe thirty years or so as the voice of the team. And one of my broadcast partners, a good friend of mine, Bob Walk, former player, was always on me to say, why don't you have a call? Lanny's got um, Lanny's calls. There was no doubt about it. Whether the Pirates won or lost a big game, or I'm sorry, when they won, whether it was a close game or a blowout, it was always, there was no doubt about it. Before that, Hall of Fame announcer for the Pirates named Bob Prince, he used to say when the Pirates won a ball game, we had them all the way. So, and then you know, broadcasters throughout baseball history, I don't know how much other sports do. Well, actually, a friend of mine, uh, one of my mentors, uh, Mike Lang, who's a Hall of Fame announcer for the Pittsburgh Penguins, for many years uh, before he retired, would say uh, when the Penguins won a game, as, as the clock was ticking down, he would say, Elvis has left the building. <laughs> so everyone has a signature call. Anyway, Bob suggested, like, I told him I've got a one-track mind. I can't concentrate on stuff like that i've got to just worry about the game he kept on me and, and he said what about you know when uh you know when the uh pirate ship captures another pirate ship or another ship mm-hmm. uh they, they hoist the colors and i said you know when i was in the front office and the pirates i suggested that to the pirate front office I said, why don't you put one of those skull crossbone flags high atop three river stadium when we win a ball game Mm-hmm. And so people looking across, uh, I know we're, I don't I don't know how much visuals you have on your show, so I apologize, oh, yeah. Chase. But oh, that's uh, cool. So that there we are, we're we're here at the ballpark, and so my suggestion was to go, you know, when people went downtown right there and and to work, uh, yeah. that the next morning before again, before the internet, before scores were easily accessible, when you'd have mm-hmm. to look, especially West Coast games, you'd have to look in. Uh, listen to a radio station to hear whether the Pirates won or lost. <laughs> the point being, excuse me, 
when they went, they went to work the next day, regardless of whether they listened to the game or not, look across that river, and you can see this gigantic flag hoisted atop uh, Three River Stadium. And my boss, who was my boss's boss, he was executive vice president, basically told me to, uh, I think his direct quote I tell people was, because uh, I was like 19 years old, he said, get out, of, get out of my office, kid. We're not running a circus here. <laughs> so I told Bob that story. I said, you know, that, that was many, many years ago. And he goes, well, you know, they call that skull and crossbone the Jolly Roger. Mm. How about hoist the Jolly Roger? Hoist was too formal for me. So we went with raise the Jolly Roger. And, and honestly, Chase, I was doing it for, I don't know how many years before we went on a playoff run in 2013 after many years of losing we, mm. we went on a three-year good three-year stretch mm. of winning, and uh, that's when it got a ton of attention. There were articles written about it. There were stories, newspapers, all, all kinds of stuff, uh, and it kind of caught fire then. And to this day, it's kind of neat. You know, when the Pirates win a ball game, uh, we we now have they just erected it this year in center field. They've had this small little flagpole that uh, almost for, for whatever reason. Uh, without fanfare, uh, they have raised it, hoisted it, but with much knowledge from the fan base. This year, they finally actually have a plaza out there, and they have a select a fan each night when the Pirates win, and they've got a, a captain's wheel, a helm, and the, mm. the fan turns it and raises the job, which has been a, one of my thoughts for a long time, get the fans involved, make it huge. It's gotten a little bit bigger. It's not as big as I want, but... Uh, Hey, that's the long history of Raise the Jolly Roger. Has there been a game where you have actually forgotten it at this point, where you, you went through the whole uh, end of game, we won, and you're like, oh, no, I didn't say it. <laughs> yeah, I have, I've done that uh, occasionally. We've, we've had a wild come-from-behind win. and uh-huh. Again, I've got a one-track mind, and my thought is not on that call. But it, it's way easier when you've got two outs and you're mm-hmm. you know, at the top of the ninth and, and uh, you know you're going to win the ball game and you're thinking about it. But... Uh, yeah, there have been a handful of times when I've, I have forgotten about it, but you know, I'm not going to do about it. It's interesting, too, when you hear radio voices. So a friend of mine who does it in Atlanta, who's great, too, Ben Ingram, who rose at the ranks, and he's just got the most radio baseball voice I've ever heard in my life. Just strong Mississippi baseball. Just the man was born to call baseball games. But I just wonder for you, did you grow up and did people tell you, oh, Greg, that voice, like you, you've got a voice for radio, like you just have a distinct kind of kind of voice that would work on the radio? Uh, no, they never said that, but I agree with you. I think he is, uh, I really enjoy listening to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he does, and, and so many of them are good. They're unique voices throughout the game of baseball, uh, but that he has very distinct, as you say, Southern accent. I, I love this. I think he does a heck of a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I, no, no one. I, I will say, when people, I, you know, I don't want to. This doesn't happen all the time, Chase. So but mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to suggest anything here. But you know, I'm on occasion. I might be out and about at a grocery store or whatnot, and somebody. May, and a lot of pirates are very popular these days. So uh, there are more than one occasion where I'll, I'll be checking out, and someone not, will not know, and they might say. Boy, you have a, a really good voice. Mm. Uh, you ever thought about being in radio? That's why I, I am in radio. Or they'll mm. say I, a lot. Of, they'll they'll recognize the voice and say, "Oh my gosh, yeah." So, uh, 
Yeah, no, no, not not growing. No one said that. Yeah, you know, I personally don't feel like I've got one of those, as you mentioned, those distinct, mm. very unique. Uh, but my, my buddy Mike Lang, that Penguin announcer, always suggested he goes, you know, what you need to do, you need to smoke cigarettes or something. <laughs> you need to get gravelly. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and he's got a very distinct voice in that regard. But no, uh, not growing up, no one has said that. Had said you know, we should we should be in radio with that voice. I just I commend that I give a strong hat tip to any uh, hockey play by play man because that is I don't know how they do that it's so fast and line changes and names and pronunciations you've got to be just on have you talked about that where baseball you can take your time you can enunciate you can slowly check things you can if it's a new player and you're like okay let me get make sure I get this right or there's just there's a lot more time to to prepare um, for calling a baseball game, but radio for hockey just seems like something that just is a fever dream to me. Yeah, oh, well, they're they're very very different, of course. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've definitely talked to. In fact, a buddy of mine, twenty years ago, was a, in charge of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and one of their announcers mm-hmm. had gotten sick and was going to be out for quite some time. And it was the winter time, and he had asked me, he said, "Could you come over and do our games for a month?" Uh, because Columbus is not very far to Pittsburgh, and mm. I, we, my, my wife and I, we just had our first child, and I was kind of like Mr. Mom, and uh, but I, I, I actually thought about it and called Mike Lang and, mm. and asked him about that. I said, you know, boy, it's so fast paced. I've done, you know, I did a little hockey color in in uh, Buffalo when I was doing minor league baseball. I've done you know play by play basketball, which is fast paced. But mm. he goes, ah, I guess once you once you get the hang of it, once. The key for those hockey announcers is it's not easy. Is is knowing those who's got the puck when. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very difficult. In terms of baseball, it is uh, announcers. Many announcers have told me, and and I I believe this it is probably the most challenging of all the sports to do because of that time you mentioned. Um, it, it 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 does allow you to try and to a degree figure out what you want to say, but you mm-hmm. can't be constantly wondering what word I might say mm. next. <laughs> You've got to be on the ball. And the, there are, and it, it, it doesn't necessarily happen fluidly. The pace of the game changes. It happened yet to me yesterday where we were just getting blown out. It was an awful game, and I had pulled out my, you have to have like information available. I went to some historical things back in the 1950s. The Pirates had a player who uh, had, had hit home runs in eight consecutive games, which to this day is a major league record. It was tied by Kendrick Jr. and Don Mattingly, and it hmm. started on this day and in Pirates history of this day in 1956, and I, I'm getting my notebook out, I'm getting, and just then, there's a, a fly ball to right field, I'll finish up, okay, I'll, I'll take it on the next inning, I'll pick that up mm. because it's getting slow and all of a sudden the game started boom 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 and my color announcer had some thoughts and he started saying some things that he hadn't been before and it changed entirely um but the pace of the game can can really benefit you it can be a curse at times because you do have to be ready for those slow moments and you've got to figure out a way to fill that that inconsistent gap it's not a timeout, uh, you know, icing. Okay, one minute. We got one minute break, and then we'll go for five more minutes. No, it's it's every 
every second can be action packed, and then you can slow down for a couple minutes. We had a pitcher yesterday got hurt, and uh, in the very first inning, and in baseball, when a when a pitcher gets hurt, the new pitcher has all the time he needs to warm up. So all mm. of a sudden, out of nowhere, you've got eight to ten minutes to talk, mm. and so you've got to be prepared for that. Um, when it comes to breaking in or getting finding that chemistry and finding that comfortability with your color uh, color analyst, what what is that like for you? Do you do you have a strategy? Have you had a strategy? Is that something that it just comes naturally? You just got to get you just got to get the reps in. You figure it out as you go. Is there a lot more pre planning? What is that relationship like when you're first getting started uh, calling a game? Not just it's not just you. You're you're a pat. You're a you have someone else in the cockpit with you. So how does how does that work? My philosophy has been, and every play-by-play guy probably in every sport has a different philosophy. Mine is, I want people who listen or watch Pirates baseball, I want them to feel like they're sitting in a bar with their mm. buddy. And, and, and we're there at the bar with them. And that means that I want the comfort level between me and my partner to be just like he and I are sitting in a mm. bar having a beer and uh and so when you are whatever you're doing whether you yourself are listening to the game at a bar at home in the car cutting your lawn there's a comfort level there that that that, because uh it's supposed to be fun Mm. and that's the main purpose of the of of sport uh, entertainment and so i want people to feel like they are enjoying themselves it's relaxed you mentioned that before and the, the, the fortunate thing for me over 29 years has been I'm not only watching a game I love and doing a job I love, but I'm sitting next to my one of my best friends. All the guys that have been my partners, the recently retired Steve Blass, a former pitcher, mm. is probably my very best friend on the earth. And I prepared a game way differently with him than I do Bob Walk. Steve Blass mm. liked to... He was a guy that almost would, he would go into the media guide. He'd grab a media guide and he'd he'd go through. I saw him. I would see him prepare a scorecard like I do. So he'd <laughs> mm-hmm. go through the, the media guide. He'd go look at statistics and, and look at a guy's bio and uh, you know what he weighs and, and what his record was last year. Well, so that meant that I didn't have to do that part of the preparation mm-hmm. game, not to be repetitive. So I knew that he was kind of more of a numbers guy. I backed off on the numbers. Bob Walk is a guy who just is free and easy and kind of like whatever happens on the field, I'll talk about. He comes out of nowhere with stuff. He's like, a, have you ever listened to Bill Walton? But yeah, uh, he's, he's like a baseball's version of Bill Walton. Very similar to mm. uh, uh, their, their thought process. So that's kind of it. And now we have, we're have we breaking in kind of new color announcers, three new ones the last couple of years. A former reliever for the Pirates, Matt Capps, a former utility second baseman for the Pirates, a Pittsburgh guy, Neil Walker, very popular, Kevin mm. Young, uh, former Pirate first baseman, a power hitter, and uh, for a time we had Michael McHenry, a former Pirate catcher, who's doing pre- and post-game shows for us now, but each one of those guys has a, a, they're different backgrounds, all three of them, and I, I try to understand what it is that uh, will make them succeed and will make them want to contribute along the way more. Uh, if I 
ask him a question, will it lead to something else? I know if, uh, you know, with the, the Pittsburgh guy, Neil Walker, I can reference Pittsburgh sports with him. Mm. I can talk about the Penguin game the night before. Like, he's a big Penguin fan. I know that. Can you believe that? Or someone's in the stands, a former uh, Steeler player, and I can talk to him about that. I talked about his days as a as a pirate in the the glory years, 13, 14, and 15. He was a part of those teams. The other guys, different. Kevin Young played back. I knew him in the minor leagues. He and I were in the minor leagues together when he was coming up to the Pirates organization. So I've known him forever. And uh, I know about first base. He was a great defensive first baseman. And I'll, I'll try and maybe steer a conversation for that. He also has been in our minor league system, working with players offensively, how to get better offensively. And steer the conversation that way. So it's just, it's not, you know, not brain surgery. It's nothing scientific about it. It's just, for me, what makes the most enjoyable broadcast, at least when I was growing up, it was what, wow, those guys like really seem to get along. I, I can't wait to, win. you know, this game, you know, they might say something funny. They might, heck, they might argue. There are people, mm. I've known Bob Walk for so long. He and I have done these games for forever. Uh, he and I chuckle, you know, especially in the wintertime. You know, he lives in the, uh, about 20 minutes north of Pittsburgh. I'm about an hour north of Pittsburgh now, so we don't see each other much in the off season. But we both will compare notes that sure as shooting invariably a handful of times during the course of the off season, people will come up to us at a store or somewhere publicly, mm. and they'll say, "Why do you dislike Greg Brown or why do you dislike Bob Walk? Why do you guys?" Mm. And I'll say, well, "What do you mean dislike?" And they yeah. say, "Well, you guys don't seem like you. You seem like you argue a lot." I said. That's the whole point. Where he's like my brother. I, I argue with my brother. Um, so anyway, that's the uh, that's it. Kind of a again a long winded answer to your question. No, that's interesting. Um, do you have a game day routine? Do you have something that you have to do every day? Are you kind of a creature of habit? Do you when you come into when you take your hour drive into into PNC? Do you have like a whole routine that you go through to get you ready to call a game? I'm doing that right now, as a matter of fact. Especially the first game of every series is like... Well, I'm not pl- I don't know that we played the Rockies much last year. I don't know if we played them at all. I've got to go back and look at the schedule because it was a, a, a wacky schedule. We were not mm. on the road uh, much of last year. We, we played them, but uh, we, did, we, we didn't go to Colorado announcers, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the last time we did play them was early last year. And anyway, I'm going back and looking at notes. I'm preparing my scorecard. I've just gotten the lineups. I'm putting the, the statistics down there. And now I'll go through each player in the lineup for, the, in this case, the Colorado Rockies and get some background information on it. I don't have a very good memory. I've got, as I said, Chase, I've got a one-track mind. So I've got mm-hmm. probably the biggest scorebook in baseball Um uh, and I'm proud of that fact. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yes. very large. Uh-huh. Uh, and and uh, I think Pat Hughes of the Chicago Cubs might might be a close second. But mm. it's because I need to write everything down. And goes back to the question about, or the point about baseball being very, so leisurely and mm. and not a clock. You don't know, and you're you're better off being prepared in case you have more of those moments where you need to fill something. Mm. And I like to try and fill something that, that is interesting rather than just talk to talk. And so I'll look for different nuggets of each player. I'll, I'll try and uh, do a crash course on where the Rockies are this year. Uh, 
where they were last year, uh, run through their story so I can present that. It's especially important the first game of each series because the second game tomorrow night, I can refer back to tonight. Mm -hmm. And game three of the series, I can refer back to the first two games of the series. Each each baseball season is filled with series of games against other teams. So it helps to have a reference point going back to last night or earlier this year when the Pirates played the Cardinals. The Pirates won two of three. And, uh, you know, Key Brian Hayes had a key three run homer. Here's Hayes now to the plate against that same pitcher. Well, you don't have that now with the Rockies. It's brand new. And so I'll go back and talk about last year's uh, Rockies team where they are, the trades they made, the acquisitions. And then uh, I'll go and hear the manager coming up in about a half an hour. And mm -hmm. I might have a couple questions for him. I might do a pregame interview with a player. Uh, and it, so so it's I do have that routine. I like that. I like that. Is there one player in particular that you love talking with the most on this year's Pirates team? On this year's team, uh, well, I liked Roberto Perez. He got hurt couple weeks ago and he was fascinating mm -hmm. to me i really enjoyed talking to him i like uh, diego castillo I, he's a great baseball fan uh i i told uh, our rookie who came up just a couple weeks ago through our translator mm -hmm. uh, that i appreciated the fact that i asked him a handful of questions about his debut last year he had made his major league debut last year and i had some other things for him and, and i could tell even though i don't know spanish i know a word or two that's why we have the translator there. But I could tell he was very thoughtful with his answers and mm -hmm. wasn't giving me anything pat, you know. So I I thanked him sincerely for that. I really appreciate you not just – you tell he was thinking. And so mm -hmm. those are the, the, the players that I like that, that just don't give you those those pat answers but actually do uh, – Keith Hayes, our third baseman, is, is kind of like that. He, he really does uh, consider the question and give – not necessarily long answers, but thoughtful ones. Uh, not 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 giving you what you think you want to hear, but just what truly is entering his mind and what his thought process is. Who all time is has been your favorite? All time favorite pirate to interview. Well, that's a really good question, uh, man. You know, I don't know that I could pick one guy. A lot of pitchers because they have the most time between hmm. starts, the starting pitchers. The starting pitchers seem to have been the ones that are the most uh, interesting, uh, I, I'd say. So, Why do you think that anyone, is? I, I will say it too. Uh, a guy that became a really good friend of mine, was who I knew in the minor leagues, was uh, Al Martin, an outfielder for, for the Pirates. And uh, hmm. he was my favorite guy to talk. I would talk to him every single day, not necessarily on, on tape or recording, hmm. but... Yeah, um, just going in there and being able to talk to him about anything about the team, he'd tell me everything uh, about the players, and he was almost like an assistant coach, to a young <laughs> team, and he was a he he really was an interesting guy. So anyway, yeah, that's uh, I, that's interesting. Um, what have uh, what has been your early your biggest early surprise about this Pittsburgh team? Because I mean, the Reds have obviously just been really really bad in the NL Central and. Brewers with their pitching and the way they've hit thus far. They're, I think, 12 games under over 500 as we're recording this. But um, you're right there with the Cubs. You're in the middle of the road. You're this season, another rebuilding type year. But it has been 
relatively okay. And uh, Greg, I, I, that's the way I'm looking at it right now with the Pirates. Is that a fair way of characterizing their start? Um, and then also, who who surprised you? Has there been one player? Has there been one stretch of games? What uh, What's caught your eye? Yeah, right now we're in a very bad stretch, so it's nice of you mm-hmm. to say that. Uh, you know, they're in a they're in a bad funk, and, and they're unfortunately that's the great thing about the game of baseball. The longer a season goes on, the more it exposes you know, your warts. And it, tied it in third out, in the oh, NL Central, man. Tied in third. Yeah, well, that's, that's, again, that's a positive way of saying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even at sixteen and twenty four, but mm-hmm. but you know, the, the the thing that gives us hope is you know they called up a pitcher today mm-hmm. who spent a, a brief time very early this year in the bullpen made i think one long relief outing and he's a guy that they got in a trade uh, with the new york yankees before last year and he's been a guy that that everyone talks about as being a true legitimate star of the future pitching mm-hmm. ace and he came up today and he's probably going to start tomorrow and that's what gives us hope. Okay, this guy, it's just going to be fun to watch this build. And uh, so, so that's what is encouraging more than more than the record because they're not going to, you know, they're not going to win anything this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the, the, you know, that's the, the brutal truth of it all. That the Pirates aren't going anywhere. That your Cubs aren't going anywhere. I hate to tell you, Chase. No, I'm a Braves fan. This is, is that a Tennessee Cub- Smokies. That that's a oh. Tennessee Smokies. Yeah, I'm in oh, East Tennessee. Okay, okay. No, so you're a Braves fan? Hold on. Hold on. I got you. Hold on. Uh, there we go. So you got the 2021 banner right over there. So. Oh, okay. All right. You're, you're a front runner then. You should have said that. I'm from Atlanta. I am. I uh, am and you've I'm, always rooted for the Braves your whole yes. life. Yes. Okay. Now, Atlanta <laughs> is, uh, is like three or four games under 500. Yes. Not They're not doing well at all. Well, I mean, they just yeah. won the series with the fish, but I mean, okay. you lose. You're not going to jump off that bandwagon, though. No, you can't. I'm still. Okay. I, I'm Atlanta forever. Okay. I got the Falcons thing right here. I got uh, the Doc Rivers, uh, Atlanta Hawks. Nice, right here. nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Well, that's good because I, uh, my my argument with many people in town, mm-hmm. sometimes they'll say, "Oh, I'm a big Pirates fan," or "I can't stand the Steelers." Or I said the other day at a. Uh, my barber, I was sitting there talking to some people, and some guy walked in. He said, I'm a, I'm a Penguin fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a Pirate fan. I said, I don't understand that. I don't understand right. how you can be one, pick and choose your fandom. It doesn't – and I know what it is. It's, it is I, – I, I was kidding you. But mm-hmm. a lot of people, they have liked the Penguins only because the Penguins win. Mm-hmm. They don't like the Pirates only because the Pirates aren't winning right now. And, mm-hmm. and that's not what a fan is. A fan right. roots for the team come heck or high water. Mm-hmm. And I tell people that when I grew up, I was a, for some reason, grew up in central Pennsylvania, a Chicago Bears fanatic. I loved huh. the Chicago Bears. I still like them. I still want to go to Chicago every once in a while. Uh, uh, in fact, their, their new defensive coordinator is a Pittsburgh native, and he happened to be at the Pirate Cub game uh, about a month ago when we were at Wrigley Field. And, came up and talked to him and it was uh, so cool i said i grew up a, a bears fan he goes what how in the world did that happen that's a story in itself but anyway the point yeah. is i tell people that when i grew up rooting for the chicago bears they were horrible they were one mm-hmm. of the worst teams if not the worst team in football every single year i mean mm-hmm. they didn't sniff the playoffs 
they were, you know, if they finished 500, that was mm. a victory in my mind. But man, I could not wait every week to maybe tune in to WBBM in Chicago if they were playing a four o'clock game. That meant that the sun would set and many <laughs> other stations would have to go off the air back then. Again, this is yeah. radio days. And so four o'clock game meant that boy, around in the wintertime, around five o'clock, I could tune into WBBM and hear the crackling voice. I think it was Joe McConnell was the play-by-play voice of the Chicago Bears. And Walter Payton was their running back. And Oh, my gosh. But the, the thing is, it, it, you know, I, of course I wanted them to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was distraught when they lost. And mm-hmm. they would lose a lot. But it didn't mean that after all these years, I'd go like, you know what? I'm so tired of them losing, I quit. I'm not going to be a fan of theirs anymore. It, that's... That's not what a fan Can is. Can I offer a mind. theory on this? Yeah. I think baseball is unique in this regard because there are so many regular season games that if you are a fan and you're a diehard for a team that is in the gutter for a while, that's 300 plus you're looking at. And it's hard to sit through a lot of losing in baseball more so than it is in the NFL. You can sit through a season or two. That's thirty games. That's all. That's not a significant part of your your life. But if you if you're sitting through a lot of these painful rebuilds, you're like Baltimore Orioles fans. What they've had to go through for the last five years. I just think it naturally generates apathy when you have to sit through that many losing games. It just it you just become numb to it. And I uh, I don't know. I think baseball is unique in that regard. That's my theory. That's that was a good theory. The only thing I'll say is that I'm I'm living proof that I'm I'm like that. I've lived through yeah. some some uh, some AP or UPI story somebody showed me mm. about two or three years ago. They did a, a story on the losingest announcer in Major League Baseball. Yeah, you're you're like what forty percent, forty percent. Number one. Over, I'm yeah. number one. What is but, your percentage? Isn't it something like forty something percent? You are. Oh, I don't know. I've, I've I've certainly not done the, the the work to figure that out, but but someone else has. But yeah, uh, the the thing is, like when I go to the ballpark, I still uh-huh. want the team to win. Right. And my hope is that they do win. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it, it does not. After all these years, I've not lost any interest whatsoever. Mm-hmm. In in the team now, I, I, I understand I'm I'm being paid by the team also. So perhaps perhaps if I weren't being paid, although I still see loyal pirate fans who pay for season tickets here every year, mm-hmm. uh, they don't give up. And, and the thing about that chase, that theory is, is, is you're probably spot on. Think about it: when you win, when you stick to it, when you're not a bandwagon jumper, on and off, on and off. Oh, they start mm-hmm. to win. Oh, I'm going to pay. When you have been through the tough times. It feels so much better, yeah. better than anything in the world when they win, because you, you you could be prouder than anyone else that you know I stuck by them. I knew the tough times, and and to make it, and I think it's a oftentimes baseball is a reflection on life too. I've said that too. Mm-hmm. It's unlike any other sport because of the grind. Uh, you mentioned it's 162 games a year, not including 30 spring training games sometimes yeah. 35 to 40 reporting to spring training i mean it's it's the early february 
all the way through into late September, early October, if you make it to the postseason, into November. So it is unlike any other grind. And you can't hide in baseball. You can't mm-hmm. cherry pick in baseball. Uh, when you make it to the major leagues in baseball, uh, you are going to be either on that pitcher's mound or at home plate, and you are going to have to face the music if you're a starting pitcher every five days, if you're a regular player every single day. And when you start out, you know, a rookie, uh, and wow, this guy's really, really good, and here we go, and uh, mm. he gets a couple of hits. We just had a Cardinal guy come through here who looked really good. Three games, wow, like Cardinal Nation's got to be on fire about this guy. Mm-hmm. But now they're going to start to adjust. And sure as shooting, this is what baseball does to you because it's every day. It's good. There's going to come a time when you're going to have some valleys along with peaks. And now, mm-hmm. what do you do with this valley? How do you get your way? How do you work your way out of it? Because now all of a sudden, oh shoot, I went over over four, had some bad luck. Back in the lineup the next day, over four. Now I'm striking out two or three more times. And now I'm starting to wonder, shoot, am I doing something wrong? And now you start to grip that back tighter. And now you start to really concentrate. And now you start to get out of your element. And now you're all of a sudden you're out of the starting lineup because mm-hmm. you're slumping, and then your your opportunities are, are fewer and fewer. And when you do get that opportunity, now you got to try and deliver. Now this game, because I'll be on the bench again, and pretty soon I'm in the minor leagues again. And the guys that stick to it and can be really good for a long, long time, man, that's that's greatness. And and that's what I watch every day. This incredible grind that these guys go through. I root for them. I get to know them as a fan. I felt like I got to know the Chicago Bears. And as a broadcaster, I certainly get to know these guys. And fans feel like they know, maybe through the broadcasters, they know the personalities. They know some of these guys. And they root for them for that reason. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, 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 I get your theory. I just, and I, I hear it. I just will never understand. I'll never understand <laughs> quitting on my team, no matter how bad it gets. That's fair. That's fair. Did you, it's interesting that Cervelli, who um, obviously a longtime pirate catcher, and now he's uh, the catching coach in um, San Diego, and he's been great uh, by all accounts early on. Did, is that like one of those where I am curious when you're around the ballpark and you're around these guys a lot, Are the, do you just pick up and you're like, oh, that guy's a future manager. Oh, that guy's going to be a great coach. That guy's built for this. There's just something you see that other people in the day-to-day where you you just see it. Um, is that similar to Kutch? Like, what do you think McCutcheon does after he, he retires? Is he some? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I could see maybe McCutcheon maybe getting into coaching, but um... – that's a, that's a really good question about McCutcheon. I hadn't thought about him. Usually, the, there so many former catchers are managers. It, mm-hmm. it, yeah, you can probably on a, on one hand count the number of non-catchers. Actually, Buddy Black, who's the manager of the Colorado mm-hmm. Rockies, is a former pitcher. Uh, that's really rare. Yeah. those guys just don't. I don't know why that is. Well, it's probably because the catchers are in the game all the time and they see the mm-hmm. entire field like nobody else. So they're working with the pitcher, but they're also looking at the infield and the outfield, and they've got to be into every single pitch, every single play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, utility players also make, I think, good managers, like uh, Craig Council mm-hmm. is a utility, a former utility player for the Milwaukee Brewers. He bounced around a number of positions. So I think that helps to kind of have that knowledge. And, uh, yeah, I think it, I, I always think that catchers, almost any catcher, has a chance to be 
a big league manager. Heck, we just had Jason Kendall came through yeah. here last week and a former pirate catcher who's doing a little work in our minor leagues. I know he wants to manage bad in the big mm-hmm. leagues. He really wants to manage. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to manage that. Catchers just seem to be have the interest and maybe the know-how to make it as managers, either in professional baseball or in the big leagues. Can you go ahead and expedite the Brian Reynolds to Atlanta Braves trade this summer? Can you go ahead and that? Uh, yeah, that won't happen. Here? That will not no? happen. It's funny because this winter I was on a radio show with some San Francisco guys, and they said the same mm-hmm. thing about the John. Hey, we, we want we want Brian Reynolds back. Can we make that yeah. happen? Um, yeah, he is. See, it's funny because he's just now seemingly getting out of the season-long slump. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait till he catches fire. Uh, but I don't think he's going anywhere. He's signed up for at least two more years. We'll see what happens. I think the Pirates believe, and you know, you, our general manager says it all the time, in order to win, you're going to have a lot of good players. Well, he's one of them. Key mm-hmm. Brian Hayes is another. And they need more and more of those good players to win games. So I just can't see. You would have to, the Braves would have to give so much up. I don't think you'd like the trade. No? I, I don't think you'd like it. You'd have to give up so much. Oh, we need something in the outfield. I, there's only so many Travis Demerit games that I can I can take. At this ah. point. Um, <laughs> but uh, what? It, uh, two final questions for you. So you mentioned the GM. So Ben Charrington, um, who took over um, pretty recently. But what? Uh, when you've talked to him, what's his vision? Did have you gotten a sense of the timeline and the expectations that? And you incorporate that into the broadcast of like, here's where we're going, and here's here's the plan. Well, his vision is just that, is to, to develop, deploy. I think he says deploy, develop. Uh, I don't know if it's determined as one, but, but you know, determine which players are good for your organization, mm-hmm. get them in, uh, work with them through the minor league system, get them up there and, and develop them and make them good citizens, good players, and that's how you'll win. And so he, he started the rebuild from day, from almost from day one, and he's gotten – rid of just about every player that was here previously and brought in all kinds of talent. I think they went from, I want to say 18 his first year in terms of minor league talent. Might have been might have been 20-something, but now they're third according to Baseball America. So mm-hmm. in a short amount of time, he's got so he's done that first big step. He's still doing more of it, still getting more and more talent in the farm system. Uh, we'll see if they are able to develop these players and, and get them good and get them in the big leagues and keep them in the big leagues and make them really good uh, Major League Baseball players. Last thing, and we'll wrap up here, uh, Greg. So the biggest difference between Clint Hurdle and Derek Shelton is what? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. The, I mean, for, for – I don't know the in terms because most important thing is what they do on the baseball field. Not mm. not, you know. I got along fine with Clint, but Clint was very very reserved. I mean he, um, and uh, you know, Clint got into some bad moods, boy, and you you felt the wrath. Mm. Shelton, I know, is in bad mood right now, but he's just different. He's he's. Mm. Um, we have a connection. I I, I connect with Shelton. I understand that, that you, know, you can't. Uh, I can't suggest that that Hurdle didn't uh, do great things here. I mean, he mm-hmm. brought the team 
13, 14, and 15. He's what the team needed. He was a, he's a great speaker. I've never seen anybody as good with with children who are uh, struggling with some uh, hmm. type of uh, a handicap or whatnot. He has a daughter who uh, has Prater Willie, and I, I've never seen anyone connect with kids like he does. He's and he and he can hold an audience like you cannot believe. He's an unbelievable speaker, and uh, and he was good for the team. They they he brought he used to call it street cred when he came in. He had street cred when he came in. He had a resume with the Colorado Rockies. Shelton just uh, is, is just different, and and uh, we'll see if he wins because ultimately that's what matters. It, can he win? Well, he doesn't have the players yet. Uh, when when he gets the players, we'll see if he wins, and then he'll be a great manager. Is he a last name guy? Did you just start calling him Shelton altogether, or is he like it's not Derek, it's Shelton? Uh, Shelty. He loves the nickname Shelty. Yeah, oh. so he everybody calls him Shelty. Yeah, interesting. Shelty, Shelty. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, All right. yeah. There you go, Greg. How did the good folks check out your work, the radio broadcast, and keep up with you this season? Chase, thanks a million for having me on. Great talking to you. Thank uh, you. Uh, yeah, you just go to to and turn to listen to the games MLB.com, and I've got a, a Twitter I run occasionally. Uh, G Brownie points. G Brownie <laughs> points. Mm-hmm. I like That's it. That's it. I, there you go. Greg, good luck today and the rest of the way. This was this was a delight. I greatly appreciate you making the time. Thanks, Chase. All right, that'll do it for part one here on the Tuesday, May 24th, 2022 edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you again to Greg for coming on part one here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. It was great talking with him, and I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. Uh, make sure you keep up with Greg on his uh, Twitter page and everything else uh, he's got going with the radio show. And hey, I'm like, even if you're not a Pirates fan, just listen to baseball on the radio. It is an absolute delight, and check in on the Pirates. Um, don't forget, folks, if you enjoyed our conversation, make sure you tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the show and why you like it and why you think they would like the Chase Must podcast as well. Uh, you can also uh, help the show continue to grow by uh, leaving this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if that is how you are listening to today's program. You can also email me at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com and tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas and like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer part two coming up uh with Lindsay ok and evan swords to talk all things nfl coming up in just one second on this feed so go check that out as well uh episode's coming tomorrow after that but uh there how'd i do Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.